Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Lee, if you were a ghost, what do you think your favorite beer would be? Oh, man. You know what? I think... I think it'd be White Claw because it's got that effervescence um, and, you know, there's just a hint of flavor there, just like there might have been something that you just drank, but really there wasn't much. (laughs) So it's like pretty much a vapor and it might be there and it might not. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. You just wake up drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All you see is the after effects. Oh, well, today, Lee, we are talking booze and brews and ghost tours. Mike, roll the tape. Listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Funk Master B, setting up that tea for the duo of gum foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee. Of course, I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living species? Welcome back to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. My name is Lee Arrett. I am one of the hosting duo that is Beyond Terrestrial. I'm coming to you from the Haunted Barn Studios inside the Bell Witch's backyard. And my buddy Dan over there is just about to tell you where he's coming from. But just so you know, we are about to do a booze-tastic show. Yes, very cool. Just add beer. <laughs> Always makes it better. Drink more beer. <laughs> That's a shout out to one of our fourth hand friends. Um, Anyways, guys. Yeah, I am Dan Martin. I am recording just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. And today we are talking ghost tours in uh, the Buckeye State, Lee. Uh, Have you ever been to Ohio? I have never been to Ohio. Me and my girlfriend. I've driven through. You've driven through? My my yeah, girlfriend and it. I were having a discussion about places that we've been. If it is on the west side of the U.S. Uh, of the U.S., like on the west side of the Rockies, I've been there. If it is on the east side of the Rockies, but before the Mississippi River, ah, uh, there's like a forty sixty chance that I've been there. But if it is uh-huh. anything west of the Mississippi and it's not Kentucky or Tennessee, I haven't been there. Wow, you're really missing Wait, out on some. Wait, I'm sorry, uh, Greece Illinois. I've, I've been to Illinois. 
Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. There's one more. Boom. Um, anyways, yeah, we talked with a dude named William Haynes. Great guy. Stay-at-home dad, just like me. Um, and he is an entrepreneur, a uh, hustler, and he was a tour guide in Columbus, Ohio, before the Rona shut everything down. Um, and he told us some great local legends about the capital of Ohio. It was a really uh, fun interview. It was definitely a fun interview. He told us a lot about it. Um, he told us a lot about the, the hauntings in the area. And, you know, he was just a fun guy to talk to. Yeah, and he had details that were not in any of the Google searches that we found. So that was really cool, The like the real local history, um, a lot better than some of the stuff we found <laughs> online. So that was good. Dan, I think my favorite part, and I don't think this is giving away too much, at one point he says, you know, I don't think that list of hauntings that you got is correct. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I wouldn't so. have ranked any of those where, they're, where they've got them. <laughs> I know. So it was really cool to um, get in there and get the the real details. Um, but it's a long interview, so I think we should get to it. Um, special thanks, though, to Simple Equations Media for editing the show together. This one had some uh, technical aspects that we did not foresee. Yes. And just bear with us, guys. There may be some minor audio issues here and there. Mike really worked hard to clean up what he could. Um, but there was a um, couple minor glitches right in the beginning there or throughout there. Honestly, me as a layman, I, I only heard a couple of them and some of them were like when my wife came in to talk to me, <laughs> I was like, oh, I noticed that one. Um, so he, <laughs> he did really good. Honestly, um, that was the only thing that I was like, that's a, that's a problem, but he cleaned up the rest, uh, beautifully and guys, simple equations, media, Las Vegas, Nevada, they are a full-service audio-video production company. They can take your ideas from pre-production for a music video, a training video, a documentary, a TV series, um, any sort of thing that you're working on, any creative project. Um, and they can work it through shooting all the way to the post-production. Um, they make us sound good. They can make you sound good. Uh, Lee, where can you find Simple Equations? Oh, you can find Simple Equations on Facebook at Simple Equations. You can find it on Twitter at Simple Equations, Equation underscore. You can even find them on Instagram at I don't know. Yes. Um, or you could just Google them or give them a phone call. Yes. And uh, tell them what your idea is and have a consultation with them at their offices in sunny Las Vegas. Beautiful. Maybe do some gambling while you're down there. Um, so, yeah, guys, if you've got anything, um, audio, video, music, trying to take your band to the next level, trying to do a big project for your company, um, they have got the hookup there. Um, they wrote the new theme music for our show, and it's awesome. Interesting side note about Simple Equations Media. They specialize in recreating the, the, the theme of like reefer madness so they're really good at those old like i'm just making stuff up dan I, I'm, <laughs> they make don't, us sound good <laughs> i'm not gonna make do, promises that they can't don't hold do up. a bs ad read don't <laughs> just throw stuff in there <laughs> you psycho man that, that's 
Uh, okay. Well, anyways, guys, they're really good. Um, this interview is really good. Check it out. Check out William Haynes um, and his website. Uh, it's uh, showmecolumbus.com, so check it out. All right, guys, we're going to head to break. When we come back, we are going to be discussing the adventures of William Haynes. So, but we can't say the things that we normally say on our podcast. That is correct. So I couldn't say something like beep. And like I, de- I definitely couldn't say beep, 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 and uh, beep, beep. I am not doing this bit. <laughs> <laughs> too late. He's too deep in. Anyway, this is Alex Austin from Ronan Geek Official Podcast. And in a room with me today, I have... Plebeian Pirate Adam. And? And just Rob. And just Rob. And we are here to advertise Ronan Geek Official Podcast. We are a geek news and comedy podcast direct out of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. So if you want some Canadian flavor on your geek comedy news, make sure to give us a listen each week for gaming, movies, and TV. We'll give you some reviews. We'll give you some spoilers and we'll give you probably a lot of other stuff you didn't ask for so (laughs) so join us wherever you find your podcast and we look forward to having you listen to us yay all right beyonders we are back we are here with william haynes a certified tour ambassador in columbus ohio William is a graduate of THE Ohio State University with a degree in English and theater. He is part of uh, numerous organizations as well as theater productions around town and is the founder of Show Me Columbus, which offers haunted history, booze and brews, OSU campus tours, and even customizable options. William, welcome to Beyond Terrestrial. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Are there any other uh, tidbits you'd like to tell us about yourself? Uh, I think, you know, one of the most interesting things, at least to me, that I like to talk about is I am a serial side hustler. And so even this tour company started as a uh, a side job uh, along with my full-time job. And I've done everything from uh, loan closings as a notary to knife sharpening to dog walking, and I could go on and on and on of all the things I've done to try to put extra uh, money in my pockets. So That's really cool. That's a cool way to uh, get to know a town, too. You get into different businesses, meet lots of people. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, um, I remember it said in your bio, one of the organizations you were part of was like an entrepreneur's group. Um, that's pretty cool. But can you tell us maybe a little bit just about how the coronavirus has affected uh that sort of that sort of thing entrepreneurship around town um it is interesting to see you know some businesses and industries have been hit pretty hard i mean the tour business this this year my most popular tour by far is the haunted history tour and i am not running a single one um all the places that i go are at limited capacity so they're hesitant to let me bring a group in i think even I had a talk with my wife about it, who's a physician, so she certainly has a, more of a safety mind and saying, you know, I feel, I'd feel bad if someone got sick on a tour where I'm taking, you know, usually 20 people and cramming them into uh, small spots in entryways or patios or back rooms or basements or wherever I would take people. And so we decided to, you know, this year to be safe, we're just going to hold off and, um, you know, share stories online or... Uh, I've had a few people ask for like virtual tours or storytelling type events. 
And so other industries like that, I notice, you know, some of my friends who are photographers have been hit pretty hard with um, like weddings. Uh, I have a buddy who's a DJ who basically didn't work or is now just now starting to do some things. But I've also seen some of my my friends who are really creative figure out a pivot and 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 turn this into opportunity. Um, Joey Hendrickson's a great example. He's a, a musician in Columbus who is. He has started a number of things, basically like pop-up music venues that happen in parking lots or uh, things like that, as well as uh, drive-in theaters that happen along the river where people in their kayaks and canoes and come up and, and socially distance and still you know enjoy being outside and, and watching a movie. So they're, you're, you're seeing a, a realm of people who are saying, hey, this is hurting me, and other people are saying, hey, we're going to create opportunities to still continue to entertain and, and provide services for folks. Dude, that's awesome. See, Lee and I, um, we really like uh, small stories. We like local stories. Um, We had high hopes this year of going to, like, festivals and all kinds of things like that. Um, But (laughs) it's not going to happen. So to see how things have changed and how guys are still trying to, you know, keep it alive, I think is really neat. And I hope that some folks who will listen to this will be excited about the idea. Maybe when things get back to normal, we'll actually want to go take the real tour. Absolutely. And I, my, my heart goes out to all the people who have emailed me. Um, my website has a, a, a banner that pops up and says, hey, we're not running. And I still get, well, you do customized tours. Can we just customize? Can we do this? Can we do that? And um, I mean, it makes me feel good because people are looking forward to the tour. Maybe folks who didn't do it in the past, it was sold out, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I you know I feel bad that there's not one to offer, but hopefully, and the, and those folks just you know they're going to get an email that says, hey, you're going to hear a little bit about the tour on this uh, podcast. So hopefully, I'll get some new listeners, uh, people who love Dude, that's the awesome. kind of stuff yeah. that you do. So, um, so so Lee, you know we love these small stories. We love these local places. Um, we had a weird spike in listenership in Ohio when we switched um our podcast hosts so hopefully some uh some buckeyes out there will enjoy what we're doing um lee what do you know about columbus ohio let's start Otayo? on that. oh otayo the, oh, okay. the the great state of otayo i know three things that you just told me <laughs> <laughs> the capital of ohio Yep. Um, Ohio State University's there. Yep. And, oh, it's the setting for Ready Player One. Yeah. Um, That is what I know about Ohio. And I apologize, um, but much like Idaho, I feel like Ohio is like the most populous, like just like the most populous state that nobody knows about. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, Columbus is uh, one of those cities I believe the last time I saw the rankings, we moved up to the 14th largest metro city in the country. Now, I yeah. say that. I always have to like give the qualifier. It's just the city itself, not counting the suburbs. I always point like we're bigger than Miami, but Miami is Dade County. So it is Fort Lauderdale. It is all the area around it. So Columbus, um, you know, home to 890,000 people with suburbs, two and a half million. So it's not huge in that regards, but it's in the middle of the state and has nothing but room to grow. So it is a you know Columbus is a large city. Ohio's a 
Um, it's a mixture. It's got your big cities like you have everywhere else and, and lots of farmland and, and all those kinds of things. So it's it's the gem that I think when people come to Columbus, they say, I never knew. I didn't know this place was so cool or had so much culture to it. Uh, but you're right. It's it's one of those places that, you know, we kind of get lumped in with the, the Midwest. We're, we're not, I mean, we have cornfields, but we're not the cornfields that you see in Kansas and Nebraska and places like that. Right. Well, and it's one of those towns too, like, um, you know, I'm, it's a big football town and Lee, you were a a bit incorrect. You said Ohio state university. What you meant was the Ohio state university, the Um, Ohio state university, (laughs) but, um, but no, um, like you take a town like Lincoln, Nebraska, right? Um, no one really wants to go, but when there's a football game, it's hopping. The thing is, a lot of those businesses and bars and places that are there when people are there for a p- football game, they're still there when people leave. <laughs> they're there Sunday through Friday, too, not just Saturday. What? No way. Yeah, yeah for real, dude. dude. I thought they materialized. <laughs> so Much like um, Spirit Halloween. Like, they just <laughs> pop up. They appear. They do. <laughs> <laughs> so, William, um, so... You've heard these three facts that we know about Columbus. Is there any other interesting tidbit that we should know? Like, I'm really big on trivia. I I was on Jeopardy. I won one game. What don't I know about Columbus that I should know? Uh, Columbus is home to Jenny's Ice Cream, which was rated the number one ice cream in America. And you would have recently saw uh, Joe Biden posted on Instagram when he was in Cleveland getting ready for the debate. Uh, headphones and a Jenny's ice cream cup uh, that's made just right outside of uh, Columbus. And it is remarkable, fantastic uh, ice cream. Artisan, lots of great flavors. Uh, so that's oh, worth the trip by itself. Oh, my. That's actually really cool. I like ice cream. Um, Lee, last time I was in Moscow, we Lee and I worked together in a town called Moscow, Idaho, that has a new like artisanal ice cream shop, too. They had like some like lavender flavor and like all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but this Jenny's, like, we're actually closer to that now than we are to our old our old oh, stopping yeah. grounds in the Jeb State. Um, but one thing about Moscow, like Columbus, Moscow is a college town, mm-hmm. and the campus it has its own like set of ghost stories, like separate from the rest of the town. Lee, do you remember any campus ghost stories? Wasn't there something about one of the towers having somebody that either jumped off of it or, um, am I crazy? Did, yeah, did oh, I... yeah. Um, yeah, the tower where there's the dorms, the Theophilus Tower. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think there was something like that. Um, the one I always remember was Rydenbaugh Hall. It's like a space where a lot of the music majors can practice. Okay. And check this out. It was investigated by Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, it's definitely haunted for real. (laughs) But where am I going um, with this? Ed and Lorraine Warren, like what? (laughs) No, no. The, the thing is there are stories like uh, students have lots of stories about like being there late at night, practicing their instruments and things going bump rooms, getting cold, all kinds of weird stuff, apparitions. So 
like the stories are there um you know ed and lorraine they just glom onto these sorts of things i know i'm just giving you a hard time so so william ohio state a much much larger facility than the old university of idaho even though the u of i it really is the harvard of the west (laughs) (laughs) but um i'm sure i'm sure there are plenty of tales on campus uh for your for your ghost tours and that sort of thing yeah, you know, and, and it's something I've explored offering an actual ghost tour at Ohio State. What I found is when I include beer or have beer stops, I have more people come. And currently they're yeah. serving <laughs> beer on campus, although not for the tour purposes. Uh, <laughs> but there are some stories that we, we do occasionally touch on with some of the popular spots on campus. Um, I think the one that I like the most. Well, there's, there's a couple, I mean, put it this way. There's a, there's a rumor of, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer went to Ohio state or spent some time at Ohio state. When, if you take a tour with the, like one of the campus people, they'll always, Oh, he was in this room. But then the next campus guy will say, Oh, he stayed in this room. I don't know if anyone actually knows, but it's kind of a fun, <laughs> fun tidbit of like, yeah, people think Jeffrey Dahmer lived here. We, I, I, you know, I don't, I can't confirm that, but there is a, a spot on campus called Mirror Lake and it is, uh, famous, or at least it was, for the big plunge that students would do right before the Ohio State-Michigan game. Uh, that game typically takes place in November. I think, well, this year it was going to happen sooner, and then right now it's not happening at all. But before that game, uh, everyone would go jump in the lake. And so mm-hmm. Ohio, November, very cold, and it's not very deep, so there were lots of injuries and uh, frostbitten body parts and things like that. So eventually they, they put up fences <laughs> and they try to stop students from doing that. Uh, but anyway, it's a very popular spot. It's uh, I mean, I've, I've taken a number of people, uh, uh, women on first dates there cause it's romantic and a nice setting. And each, you know, each one you say, Hey, you're the first person I brought here. I just, you know, but uh, so if you're in Columbus, <laughs> you've outed classic. your technique, your yeah, first date. Well, technique. I'm married now. So, it's, uh, <laughs> but uh, mere like, you know, this, very popular spot there right off of the oval. So if you're most campuses have a quad, Ohio state has an oval, a big O uh, just because. So uh, in the early 1900s, uh, Dr. Clark, who was one of the professors on campus, uh, the story is that he had some investments in mining that went wrong. And so he committed suicide and his body was found over by the Pomerine hall, which is right next to Mirror Lake. Today it's where the Mirror Lake cafe is. Uh, you can get an ice cream cone there, but it's nowhere near as good as Jenny's. And <laughs> yeah, save save your cash for the good one. Exactly. Uh, so it, the rumors is that his wife stayed by his side, like, you know, found his body and like, you know, they had to like pull her off and she wouldn't leave. And uh, she died around 1920 or so. And people claim to see her from time to time in a pink dress kind of hovering around Mirror Lake uh, late at night. And then people also say in uh, Pomerine Hall that, the, you know, late at night, you know, as, as ghost stories go, uh, late at night when very few people around, doors slam, you know, open and close. And it's, it's supposedly the angry uh, Dr. Clark who is still upset that his, uh, his investments went south. So that's what Ooh, I like I, it. I, I like anyone that has a, like a, we, and we have several in Columbus, but I like any like the woman in pink or 
the pink dress goes. I love with good names, you know, things like that. So, uh, and it's kind of romantic. The, la- the eternal love. The lady of the lake. Exactly. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Now, Lee, I sent you a link that we found online about uh, 10 haunted places in Columbus. Um, one that I saw on campus that I thought was interesting was Orton Hall and the prehistoric man. William, have you heard this story? <laughs> so Orton Hall is one of the older buildings on campus. It's right on the oval and it is, um, it has a little museum inside. So Ohio, our state fossil is the trilobite, which is basically a prehistoric giant cockroach. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not right, exactly yeah. that, but it might as well be. Um, you know, we didn't have dinosaurs. It was all underwater during that time. But in that, yeah, the rumor is that there is a a ghost of like a caveman or something. And the joke I often tell is, you know, could this be some prehistoric person who's attached to the fossils? Or could it just be the ghost of a football player? Unga boonga, you know. <laughs> they get the jocks (laughs) yes but they you know people actually so that building as well so that's the funny story but in the upper balcony uh, dr orton who the building was named after um he was known to you know study or write or whatever people do in solitude and so they claim you know to this day that you'll see the the lights on in the tower when no one's there and you know the kind of that Dr. Orton is there working or he's continuing his research or something along those lines. So there is a, I wouldn't call it a more serious cause there's, there's really no stories of like anything happening other than like, Hey, that lights on in this tower where no one should be. Uh, but there is in that building, you know, you've got a couple stories to choose from. Right. A very studious and professorial ghost. <laughs> I guess you got time on your hands. So why not? <laughs> right. All right. Lee, which one's scarier? The lady of the lake or the prehistoric man. All right. I don't know if I want to call it scarier, but I love the prehistoric man. And here's why you don't ever hear stories about ghost cavemen, right? That's true. Yeah. Very you just rare. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> They're always in the 1800s. What about the 1800s got this connection? Like was yeah, the what veil about 1800 BC? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I know uh, we had a friend who had a lot of uh, trilobite fossils. He had worked over at the uh, Hagerman fossil beds in Idaho. They'd found like prehistoric horse there and all kinds of fossils through there. So I've seen, uh, I mean, he had boxes of these trilobite fossils that he had discovered on his adventures. So yeah, they're all over the place, but I wonder, <laughs> a ghost attached to the fossils? That sounds kind of cool. I think the lady is scarier. Like, seeing her hover above the water would be pretty freaky. So, when I think, like, just mentioning that, there is one issue with that, the uh, the ghost being attached to the trilobite fossils. Trilobites were um, aquatic animals. So, how did right. this ghost get attached to them? Well... <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking about it too that? hardly. You're thinking about it too hard. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going for right. it. Now, okay, William, you've been on campus. You know, you've seen the sights. Which one would you say is scarier? You know, I, I'm gonna 
stick with Lee in terms of like, I don't know if I'd say scary, but I do enjoy the, the pink lady or the lady in the pink dress a little bit more. I think it has, I think more of the tellings of a ghost story, like there's really nothing to explain the prehistoric man. Like, yes, maybe it's attached to a fossil. Maybe it's whatever. And, you know, there are other fossils other than trilobites in there. So maybe he's a transplant student from somewhere else. But I like <laughs> I like the story of the pink lady because you've got this everlasting because it's not the ghost of the man who died. It's the wife who was like traumatized, like her story, her seeing her her husband's death in that moment. Like that's kind of what captured her spirit in that story. And so I, I like that there's there's just more of a story to tell and more of a story to go, OK, I see how this could could happen. Uh, yeah, a little more meat than uh, caveman Ungabunga. I get you. <laughs> um, well, we all know that the most cursed place on campus, if you're a Michigan fan, is the horseshoe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, but uh, the the university, I'm sure it's amazing. Uh, the oval sounds awesome. But Columbus, also the capital of Ohio, that is like. You know, one of the things that is forced down lots of school children's throats and into their <laughs> minds, you know, state capitals. Um, so it's something a lot of people know about Columbus. Is there any, I don't know, ghost stories around like uh, the state house and the government buildings and that sort of thing? Absolutely. I mean, we're talking old buildings. So the, the state house itself. I, personally, I think those stories are kind of predictable. You know, it was built with uh, prison labor. Um, the original state house that was burned down, I built a new one. Uh, ended about the yeah, the time of the Civil War, roughly, so the mid 1800s, 1860s. And there are, you know, of course. Oh, actually, there's a. I forget what room it is. I have to. I used to give tours. My my mentor there would be very. Sad. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the room, but there was some spots where they found um, etching. Some of the prisoners who did construction, they like wrote their names and stuff. And so uh, apparently, oh, like Dave was here, sort of thing. Exactly. Um, uh, apparently, they've had like ghost hunters. It's something I, I've not gotten into, so I don't completely understand how the instruments and things work. But apparently, that's one of the uh, most, I guess, active part of the state house. Um. Oh, interesting. Now, one of my favorite stories connected to the state house, it's it's not so much scary, it's just fun, is when the state house was built. So, the, I mean, the, the short version of the story, you know, they built the state house. It ended up not being big enough. Uh, Ohio government, even today, moving a little slow. So someone burned it down. This is a pretty popular part of Ohio history and Columbus history. Uh, they just burned stuff down if it wasn't moving fast enough. So burned down, they built a new <laughs> one. And part of the state house, there's tunnels that go under the, under the streets. So the state house takes you to other places. Now, a lot of those are closed, and some of them are predictable. Like there's a parking garage across High Street, so you can walk under the street to get to the parking garage. Like, okay, not that big of a deal. But there's another tunnel that's currently closed that connects to um, a bar over on Main Street. And this particular oh. bar used to be a brothel. Again, not a surprise in Columbus because there were tons and tons of brothels and speakeasies. Uh, this one is still pretty cool looking if you can get to the second floor, which is now used for um, events, banquets, and things like that. 
I call it the room of many fireplaces uh, because it has a bunch of fireplaces because in that time they just kind of put up curtains and everybody had their own little like love cove. And yeah, Um, which is weird because potentially like there's just like a curtain separating you from the guy next to you who's also in his love cove. So it's what that is. Uh, But (laughs) I always, you know, I always ask the question of like, huh, I wonder why, you know, I can understand why there was a tunnel to the ringside cafe or something across the street where people would go to eat or to have drinks. I can understand the tunnel to the parking garage, but the tunnel to the known brothel. I can't. I haven't figured out today why a, a politician would need easy access to a brothel, but someday historians will tell us. <laughs> that's a that's a real mystery. Yeah, those politicians <laughs> they never get up to anything shady. <laughs> yeah, you, you just never know. Um, so, but with that, I guess I guess it's not really much of a scary story. I, on the tour, I do a whole point about what's under Columbus. And so tunnels are part of that because it's not, you know, there's no secret city like you might find in Seattle. There's no like tunnels like you find in Savannah, Georgia, like you can actually go underground and do things. Um, but there are areas of, of the city that they raised. And so you have some, some entry points underneath uh, and things like that. Uh, so we do talk about tunnels and I guess, so I apologize to your listeners. You're like, there's nothing scary about that. Just brothels. Well, you know, depending on who you are if you're uh mike pence maybe that sounds very scary to you but uh (laughs) when we talk about the city i'm gonna go off a little bit because this is is my favorite story by far that does have to do with columbus becoming the capital since we hit that Uh, what i like to tell people is, is columbus columbus wasn't a city that became the capital columbus was designed with greatness in mind and that's my favorite part about this city. So when Ohio's formed early 1803, Ohio becomes a state. And the capital actually moved around a couple of times. So it's uh, Zanesville. It's here. It's there. It's whatever. And eventually they decide we need something more central. And so they put the word out. We want to have a, a city, you know, new capital, more in the center of Ohio. And, of course, every little town wants to be the capital because it's going to bring in money. It's going to bring in people. It's going to bring in all this stuff. And some guys who own land uh, east of the Scioto River – they told the government, hey, we'll give you the land for free. We'll build you uh, a prison for free, and we'll build you a state house for free. Well, this is a pretty good deal. So the first thing, they build a prison. So now they have prisoners. They use the prisoners to build the state house. They use the prisoners to build the roads, things like that. And if you're in Columbus now, so anyone who's familiar, when Columbus was found, it was really just a couple blocks downtown. We're talking like Main Street to Broad Street, uh, maybe a little bit north of that but not much. And just north of Columbus today is the short north, which is the trendy area. That's where you can find there's three different Jenny's ice cream. <laughs> two, two up there stand the ice cream trend. <laughs> um, if you, you know, if you visit Columbus and you like uh, boutique restaurants and uh, shops and stuff like that, it's a art. It's a great place to go for those things. But just in the South end of the short north is the convention center and the North market. So these are big, uh, landmarks if you're in Columbus. So definitely want to go look at those or, or go inside the North Market. Uh, but it, when the city was founded, so 1812, Columbus becomes a city or town, whatever the, the actual like designation was at the time. But just north of that, they decided we're going to put a cemetery here. So you have what they what we call the Old North Cemetery. And 
it's there and it grows. It starts seems about an acre or so when they start. It's about 13 acres before it's all said and done. But as the city grows, it grows in all directions, and especially to the north. Uh, where the convention center is now is where the train station was. And so when people came in on the train, they would get off the train and they'd set up shop right there. So the short north, that area grew pretty quick. But you've got the cemetery right in the middle of it. So mid-1800s, we have a cholera outbreak people think, oh, it's got to be the cemetery. Like, the dead bodies are, like, polluting the water or something. Um, that, you know, they didn't know. So they decide to move the bodies. So they go in, they dig up the bodies, and move them to what is today Green Lawn Cemetery, where you still have some oh, of tombs. Yeah, we're talking, like, Portergeist stuff here. Um, not to date myself. <laughs> I was a kid when those movies came out. No, I love Poltergeist. That's great. Yeah, so, <laughs> So what's cool about this is it's really hard to go in and move all the bodies when one record keeping wasn't a priority in 1812 because there was something really big going on in the U.S., the War of 1812. And they actually kept British soldiers in Columbus. Uh, It's a whole other story, but there's actually an an island that used to exist in the Scioto River. They called it the Bloody Island because they kept the British soldiers there. And if you're on a small island on a relatively narrow river, you're probably going to escape. And they get shot and they drown and things like that in the river. And so, you know, there's all kinds of stories about hearing uh, splashing and stuff along the Saddle River. And they think that might be uh, the British soldier ghosts and things like that. I have other explanations for that story if we, if we get into it. But, you know, they, they try to move these bodies. The other aspect is that people would come and bury their loved ones kind of, you know, sneaking in and doing it without authorization so there was no record and so they moved the bodies and so you can imagine you know maybe some things are left behind and what's really cool so then the city grows things happen north market's there uh it's the oldest and the only surviving public market left in the city and in 2001 or 2002 they were doing some work on the sewer lines and they found empty graves like very shallow empty graves and then they found some not so empty graves so they they proved that bodies were left behind and they you know early 1800 bodies based on the clothing uh, you could tell that some of the folks were um were poor more, most likely explained by they just snuck in and dug a, a shallow grave and buried someone um and so you have this area that there's no doubt today still has bodies beneath it i mean there's just no way that they got all of them they proved that when they were doing just construct just in one little section and they're, they're starting construction soon on a new, I think it's going to be a parking garage with some retail and stuff. And, um, the, you know, the, the, the paranormal fans and the experts and the historians, like, we're really excited to see what kind of stuff they come up with. And then uh, some people are kind of scared of, like, what kind of hell is going to be unleashed uh, when you do that. And so I know it was like a, a really roundabout way to tell this story about when Columbus became a city. And at the same time, they started laying the foundation for this very... It's in the dryer. Uh, poltergeist experience where you have a city on top of bodies that were left behind, uh, which is why that area has uh, quite a few stops that people love to visit. Uh, Barley's Brewhouse, uh, Charbar, places like that that are right there where that cemetery used to be. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a creepy situation. I mean, anytime you're moving bodies, uh, it really does start to... Um, I think stir the pot, if you if if you will, and that you know gets the ghosties uh, going. Yeah, notice to all future investors, right? <laughs> yeah, and I wish I could tell you that was the only place that that happened in Columbus, but the 
the South Cemetery was the same situation. So where Nationwide Children's Hospital sits today, there was a cemetery that actually had um, Confederate soldiers buried there. So lots of people claim, I mean, let's just go back. Hospitals are already kind of creepy. And this is a children's hospital. So anytime, like, think of any horror movie that you've ever loved that has, like, the bad guy as a kid. So, like, your Damien's oh, yeah. and your Chucky's. Like, it's way worse when it's a little guy. And so you've got this hospital that's already kind of creepy. And then people, you know, they see, they claim to see Confederate ghosts. You've got the old Catholic cemetery was on the east end of town. Same situation. The Columbus State Community College is on top of that now. And they found body parts and bodies in the park. I mean, not, not just, like, laying around the parking lot, but doing construction and unearthing things. They found bodies that had been missed when they tried to move them. And so you have, like, that's... You know, I start the tour talking about Columbus, like, how do we get here and what's what's underneath of us? You know, and you, you have pockets all over the city where this poltergeist kind of activities happen where they move bodies. They have this restless, disturbed kind of feeling. And, you know, you can imagine if you're, I don't know, if you're a spirit and you decide to, like, go off and do spirit things, you come back and your body's gone. Yeah, you might be a little pissed off by that, you know, so... You know, yeah, super creepy. Yeah, so there's lots of lots of. I mean, just to start on the foundation of the city, not to you know, not to get into specific stories, but you already have like a pretty good base for what could make a city be haunted, like or have these kinds of tales. You have you have a pretty good start just by saying, look down, go a couple feet in the ground, you've got some cool stuff beneath you. Nice. Well, Lee, with that note, I think maybe we should take a quick commercial break and then we'll come right back for more with William Haynes. Yeah, let's do it. Are you a fan of movies? Or comics? Or video games? Or just anything else nerdy? Well, you should check out the Zing Zing This Podcast. Podcast. And that's spelled Z-E-N-G this and we have nerdy topics from comic book reviews to in-depth analysis of iconic nerdy movies as well as video game discussions mm-hmm. where's some of the best places to find us Allie? well podbean of course you can also find us on itunes stitcher google play anywhere else you listen to your podcast, podcast. yeah so check us out once again that is zing, zing this. this and we're back lee We've been talking about Columbus, Ohio with William Haynes and some interesting stuff about the, uh, you know, the bodies buried in the town. Pretty crazy. Lee, did you ever take the Seattle Underground Tour? You know, I never took the Seattle Underground Tour, but I got the opportunity to take the uh, Portland-Shanghai Tunnels Underground Tour. Now, that's pretty creepy. Um, if if the listeners don't know about the Shanghai Tunnels, um, they they existed pretty much all up and down the West Coast, but um, in Portland specifically, they used to essentially get new crew members for ships by shanghaiing them, or in other words, uh, basically get them drunk and kidnap them. Once they are yeah. on the ship, they have no place to go. And they just have to work. Um, oh, wow. Or they're thrown overboard, essentially. I actually had never heard that story. That's crazy. Um, so they would get them drunk when they start to pass out or when they get, they would like either lure them down into a tunnel or in some cases they actually had trap doors that they would drop these 
like drunkards down into and take them away and get them out on a ship. And by the time they wake up, they're mm, a couple miles away from land. Oh, dang. Well, holy cow. Um, yeah, we took the Seattle Underground one before. That was really cool. Um, it's crazy to think, like, no one thinks about it. Like, at your house, there's stuff buried underground everywhere. Um, and, and people just don't think about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're looking at me like you expect me to respond, but I don't know what I'm supposed to say, Dan. Well, well <laughs> I mean, you don't know. The, the last guy, well, your house is new. So, yeah. like, the last guy at my place could have buried a dog in the corner of the yard. I don't know. I buried a frog in the corner of my yard. What? The frog died. It's better than it. letting it loose in my car, you a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, did, Lee did that to me, William. That was a thing that happened. Oh, <laughs> it's not my so, fault. I don't, did you ever find that? No. Did it smell up the place for a while? No, I don't know. It's oh, a man, little you got frog, a dead dude. frog floating around it's in your car It's all dried somewhere. up under my seat somewhere, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, William, we've been talking about Columbus, and you were mentioning uh, the cemeteries and the bodies that got moved over to, what, what was it, Green Lawn Cemetery? Is that yeah, correct? Green Lawn. Yep. Now, I... I read in our top 10 most haunted places of Columbus, uh, Green Lawn was listed in there, that the mausoleums, you could go up and knock on the door, and uh, someone would knock back. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's certainly one of them. I, um, I've never had much luck with that myself, uh, which is funny because on tour, people, I mean, it's without a doubt, someone asks me, you know, have you experienced anything yourself? Like, what have you experienced? Cause I tell all these stories and I tell them like, you know, I, with some hesitation, I'm not too scared to go try. Like if they say this is, uh, I did a tour of the, uh, Mansfield reformatory where the Shawshank redemption was filmed an old prison about an hour North of Columbus. And they say, this is the most like heinous part. It's the solitary confinement. I'm like, yeah, lock me in, shut the door. Like, let's, let's see what happens. Like I'm all for it. Let's do it. <laughs> and so if they say knock on something and something, I go, you know, when I was a kid, there was rumors that there was, you know, Mary Jane or bloody Mary, like her grave was over here in Lucas. And if you go jump and spit on it, let's go guys. Let's you know, I, I wanted, like, I want it to happen. And I always make the joke with the guests. I'm like, I think the, the ghosts know that I'm profiting from their stories. And so they're just going to leave me alone. Like they're just, Hey, we're not going <laughs> to cut. We're not going to be a part of it. Um, right. Yeah. Like we're not going to show up if we're not going to get any part of the take. Exactly. So that's, that's what I'm being on. Unfortunately, I've, I've, I mean, most of these places I've, I've not had um, any experiences of my own, but yeah, the, uh, the mausoleum is a pretty popular spot for people to go to, to, to do that, to knock. And, you know, it is, it's a huge cemetery with some of the oldest tombs in the city. I mean, uh, uh, you can see, goodness, I think even like George W. Bush's grandfather is buried there because he was a Columbus man. Um, I could, I'm, top of my head right now, I'm not coming up with other ones. Uh, uh, Rickenbacker, the Air Force pilot, like he he's up there. Anyway, oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's, um, you know. We got wow. you know a few famous people, but yeah, in, you know, in terms of cemeteries, it's not Greenland's great for history. Uh, to be honest, like I love that as a historic 
like walk. There's some really cool tombs and stories to tell. But in terms of the haunted history, you know, it's it's a cemetery. You know, you, typically they're creepy. They have their own their own thing. Uh, it's not it's not my favorite of uh, <laughs> of the cemeteries. I guess I should say. Right. Well, it's not as cool as serving beer on campus. <laughs> That's for sure. So Lee. You were a rambunctious youth. Rambunctious? Rambunctious. I, you were. I don't know what you You were. About. You know. You what know. Did, what did I do? Did you ever get up to any cemetery shenanigans? Oh, um, not as much as I would have liked to. There wasn't a seminary. Seminary. There wasn't a cemetery nearby that I could, like, sneak into, um... So, no, we typically just walked around town at night and harassed people. Our friends, well, but still. Ding dong ditch. Oh, yeah. Knock on their <laughs> windows. Wow. You're such an. <laughs> what, what a rambunctious youth you were. I know, right? I know. Out of control. Out of control. I'm surprised you didn't get sent to military school. Uh, stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know how I did. How I avoided so... it. So. <laughs> So speaking of military school, Lee, in our top 10 most haunted places of Columbus, one of the ones that kept coming up was Fort Hayes. Fort Hayes. I saw is that there one. is there anything in that story that piqued your interest? Ooh. No. I put you on the spot, didn't I? You did. <laughs> you did. Well, I guess we're going to have to go to our expert then. William, what's what's going on? How come these uh, Fort Hayes stories keep coming up in our haunted Columbus searches? Yeah, so Columbus has a pretty interesting history when it comes to like military stuff. And so you've got old um, ammunition, like depots and warehouses and uh, things like that. And so Fort Hayes kind of falls under that category. Um, and I mean... <sighs> Again, not to downplay some of the... I don't know what list you looked at. I, I'm i already disagreeing with top 10. Mm, these, <laughs> that one doesn't make my top 10. But it's also, to be honest, it's also outside of the walkable area that I typically go. So I, I tend to favor the ones ah. that I can walk to. <laughs> there you go. That's a fair thing to do it. But, um, you know, Fort Hayes goes back to Civil War, which I, I love. You know, I do a Civil War tour. And it's funny because, you know, fighting didn't happen in Columbus. We didn't have Civil War battles up that way. But yet we have a pretty, you know, pretty relevant history when it comes to Civil War. Everything from Camp Chase, where they had the POWs, um, which is one of my favorite haunted cemeteries in Columbus. Uh, You have uh, the Ohio um, Art Center, which was the... um, armory you know during that time so you have all this kind of stuff so Fort Hayes goes back to that and they did some uh, training at Fort Hayes uh, they did some staging over at Goodell Park it's another one that people uh, know and they, they talk about you know a lot of the stories are you know people during training especially Civil War training uh, they might die during training they might die during exercises and things like that and so you have these stories where uh, you know one um, who was a veteran uh, military man you know saw this figure at night who uh you know kind of said hey follow me you know gave him the 
the finger, not the middle finger, but like the finger, like, Hey, you know, silently come, come with me <laughs> and goes and shows in this area in the attic where people have written their names, you know, back. Oh, sorry. The, the story of the figure, this is way after the civil war. <laughs> so this isn't during, after the fact. And okay. now this, you know, the, the place is used as like a school and things like that. Um, and they go back and they look, uh, he said, you know, the story is that they saw people's names written on this support beam in the attic. And then, you know, later they went back upstairs and, it was all gone. Like all the uh, names uh, weren't there, but you know, it comes back and things like that. Uh, people also talk about, I know that's not a very exciting story. Um, Fort Hayes is also like loosely associated with uh, when Abraham Lincoln, after he was assassinated, they did like a big train um, to sh- show off his body in different places from DC. Ooh, yeah. The funeral train. Yeah. Yeah. And so they went right through Columbus and, um, They um, fired, like they did like a salute with cannons and stuff at Fort Hayes. And so people kind of connect that to the Abraham Lincoln ghost that people claim to see at the state house and at the uh, char bar and at the different places. Uh, my favorite on that, of course, is on High Street, people will claim like late at night, you know, you've, you've been out drinking and you come out and you hear this train and they say it's the actual like the ghost of the train that brought Lincoln across <laughs> You know, so I'm like, ghost train, you know, okay, if ghosts are spirits and stuff, this one doesn't make as much. There's also, just to be honest, there's train tracks that go under the bridge of High Street. So I usually tell people, like, at this point, you're probably so drunk that you hear a train and don't see it because it's beneath (laughs) you. But uh, so those are all connected. Like, again, Fort Hayes, not necessarily my top 10. It is, I mean, it's a really cool historic building and area. I think the stories there don't have a lot of substance. The ones that I know, they're presumably someone yeah, I think, know, knows more. I think Lee and I, like, we're in the South, so if it has to do with the Civil War, like, there's a ghost story. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So like, it's I'm, just all the time. I have one thing to, like, ask, um, ask an expert at least. Why does it seem that there are so many stories of Lincoln's ghost. I feel like there are just way too many of them. Either somebody's lying or there's something else going on. Well, if, I think that depends on kind of what you accept creates the ghost stories. So are you thinking like stone tape theory kind of thing? Well, since I don't know what that is, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, supposedly um, large, uh, certain minerals in the soil and in the rocks beneath areas um, can hold energy and hold moments of high tension and replay those over and over again. Um, They say things like limestone and granite and like seven other different things. Um, We have a scientist (laughs) friend that um, points out that that's pretty much the earth's crust. So there's that (laughs) (laughs) like every, every rock listed could be, <laughs> you know, I, you know, Lee. I don't think so. I think he's just such like Lincoln's just such an enigmatic figure, and okay. was so well known. And the funeral train did run across, um, you know. And he's got Kentucky, he's got Illinois, he's got Washington, he's got Virginia. I mean, like I said, that train went all over. And I think m- more people went to see Lincoln's body when he died than probably anybody else in the history of time. So like just his funeral arrangements were so huge that it built this great story. 
Yeah, it's so you gave me a name for something I do talk about on tour, the limestone that is beneath Columbus and the uh, supposed way that it holds energy and things like that. So you call it the stone tape theory. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Added to, oh. the, uh, to the PowerPoint. <laughs> I didn't know there's a name for it. But yeah, just to, you know, to add on to your point, like Lincoln's body, they took, put it in the state house and um, – there are some pictures online. I have one that shows the the tomb there in the black and white checkered room at, underneath the rotunda. And the, the story, I mean, there was 50,000 people that came to see him. And the, the city at the time had a population of less than half that. And they came in one side and went out the other. I mean, it's, it plays right along. Like Everybody, they love that guy. And yep. again, if you go into why there's so many ghost stories associated with him, I mean, he's a popular figure, so it's an easy one. He's rec- recognizable, so maybe... If you're going to see a ghost, like if you know who it is, that that helps add to the story. But um, I, I do kind of think if there are going to be these these things happening, you know, ghosts that, that haunt these different areas or things like that, like they're very well could be associated with very high energy or high emotion. And so, you know, there is a, a, a story in the State House of Lincoln. Um, he visited the State House only three times in Ohio. And the third one was when he was dead. The first time was before he was president. But that second time, the, the rumor is that he was visiting during when the Electoral College confirmed him as president. And he was, they say he was in the governor's office, sitting in the governor's chair. I, I don't know if I believe that, but it sounds nice. Like he just happened to be like in the power position uh, when that happened. But the story is that there was a, a celebration, as you would have, and that he um, danced with the daughter of Samuel Chase, who ended up being a treasurer under him. And uh, there's, you know, the side story is like Mrs. Lincoln was like, nope, nope, she's a young woman, get away from her. But the story goes, you know, that they had this really lovely time and years later people, you know, have claimed to see, you know, the man who looks like Lincoln dancing with this young woman and, you know, they go back later and there's nothing there. Security guards have said that they've seen this or that, you know, they've called in like, hey, do we have any actors here? And they say, no, 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 no one's supposed to be there. And then, you know, they're poof, it's gone, the music is gone. And it really points back to that was just a very like joyous occasion. Like there was there was you know no scandal or anything like that. He's just hey, I just was confirmed president. We have this celebration. I'm happy. Like things are going well, and that just replays. You know, like that idea that that emotional moment just kind of sticks in time. Um, which it actually plays in you know another statehouse story. I forget the name of the 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 statehouse employee. I can I can find it. I don't usually tell the story on the tour. But there was uh, a senator, a state senator, something like that, who was known to be very staunch and very, like, his time was exact. And so people do claim about 5 o'clock on the east side of the state house, like, you know, the lights flicker, you feel that cold spot. And they say, like, every day, it's like, that's what time he got off work and he left. It's like Stanley Hudson on The Office. Like, it's 5 o'clock, I'm out. And so that path <laughs> just followed again and again and again. So, I mean, if, if you if you buy into the stone type theory of, of these ghost stories, like, it... it it kind of makes sense in, in places like that or in these stories where it's just this repetitive, like, Hey, they see this thing happening again and again and again. Dude. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, Salmon P chase, very famously part of Lincoln's uh, cabinet, his team of rivals. Um, and what a great name. Like no one's named Salmon anymore. <laughs> Lee, what you got? Okay. Not to, I'm just going to say it. Uh, during these moments where people think they see Lincoln, are we? Sh- do we know exactly where Daniel Day Lewis is? 
Oh, right. That guy's so good. <laughs> I, I swear one day I'm going to like look in the mirror and be like, holy crap, I'm Daniel Day-Lewis. And I just stole so that from good. age 51. What, Sorry, guys. What an, ama- what an amazing actor. You'll be you'll be walking up on stage receiving your Oscar, and that's when it breaks. That's when the character breaks. <laughs> oh, um, I'm sorry, Brent, or or whoever, or whichever one from Hysteria Fifty One. I apologize. Please don't sue us. <laughs> well, well, William, we're we're gonna shout out some other more popular podcasts later on, <laughs> but. Uh, oh, we should shout out Brohio too, since we're oh <laughs> since yeah, we're shout yeah, out we're... to those dudes. All right. Um, so, what, William, for you is your favorite place in a haunted tour or any tour uh, that we haven't covered yet? Oh man, um, I think you know, on tour or off tour, a really great spot is the Char Bar. <laughs> And it's pretty well known. If, if that wasn't on your top 10 list, then I'm going to tell you to like, just delete that website because it is, it is the like hot spot for stories. Now, a lot of times you can't see me, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making a motion of the Long Island Ice Teas, like how big they make them. I mean, they're huge. And if you have two of those, you will see ghosts. But <laughs> that facility, that, that place is really cool because it's, I mean, it's a dive bar, but it's like right on the edge of the short north. So it's. Like, it, it kind of doesn't fit, but it does. Like, there's a lot of really, like, trendy and nice bars and dance clubs and things right in that area. And you've got this dive bar. But the building is really cool, very historic. Uh, when you walk in the front door, you're actually walking into the original second floor of the building because they, they they raised High Street uh, to make a connection from the short north to downtown. So they raised it. And so the original first floor door I mean, it's, there's nothing there now. You can't, you can't really get to it. But you can, when you go downstairs, you can see it. You can see a window and the door and the door that would have led to the basement. Um, again, all those things are locked. And really, there's nothing, nothing to see, nothing to do. But the bathroom is downstairs. And in the, in the, tour, I end my, end the tour there, every haunted tour that I do, whether it's a booze and brews where we stop at bars or it's just a walking tour where we just go stop at these places, I end there because it's the creepiest. It's got that musty smell. Um, if, if you're, if you live somewhere, they have basements and you have a grandparent, you know what I'm talking about? Like it's that just that, like <laughs> it's that smell. Oh, stone walls. And the bathroom's down there and everyone talks about how creepy it is. And there's this old piano, like 1800s solid steel, like just ridiculous old piano. Um, you know, rumors are that the char bar was a speakeasy at one point. Um, and the, you know, the stories people often tell revolve around that piano. Late at night, they hear the piano playing or the piano moved when they were in the bathroom. And you've you got to see this thing to believe it. So one, it doesn't have any keys. So you can't play it. I mean, the only way you can make noise oh, of it, you whoa. can actually reach inside of it and, and hit the strings. But to play with any organization, I don't know how you, because the strings, you know, if you've seen the inside of a, an old, like, stand-up piano like that, they're so close together you can't just tap one with your finger. You'd have to really have some precision tools to play anything and, and know what strings or what keys. And the thing is heavy. Uh, the one rumor is, that, you know, that someone went to the bathroom, they heard a loud thud, they came out and they'd been moved several feet from the wall. And it took four people to put it back. So you have a lot of stories that go down there. It's just a really cool historic building. What I, I like most about that is, you know, when I'm on tour, two cool things happen. So one, people tell me their stories 
And just like you, I love those local stories that people tell. Like, some of them are dumb. Like, did you tell about what happened to my grandma's dog? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, whereas others might, you know, add to, you know, actually my dad worked at this facility. He said this, this, and this. And you go, that's really cool. I didn't know that. And every time someone does that, I get to add to the tour. Um, but I also have where people maybe experience something on the tour in the places that we go. And that's what I love about that bruise and bruises. I pick historic bars or locations that have some relation to the stories that we're telling. So the char bar is by far the place where I've had the most people tell me that they've felt something, experienced something, or I've kind of seen something happen that was even, even for me was like, Oh, that's weird. And like I said, I usually, I don't get treated to any like paranormal stuff. It's to the point where I'm like, well, maybe it's just like, maybe it's not real because it never happens for me. It's only for other people. Um, but I'm okay with the intrigue of it. And I'll tell you real quick, a couple of charbar stories that have happened on tour with a group of people. Now it's not like we saw a ghost oh. or anything. There, there is the rumor that there's like a specter that haunts the downstairs area, like a very angry, possibly trapped. Now the char bar, if you go out the back door, that is the old North cemetery. So this could very well be related to um, the cemetery and the bodies that were moved. There's also rumors that the um, char bar was used to uh, house bodies. Um, there is a rumor that it was a, um, a crematorium, although it, it's it's not confirmed, and I don't know if that's true. But there's there's talk that it used to be like the building used to be used for stuff like that. So we don't, you know, I don't know where this particular like, specter or the stories come from. But there was a the first year that I did the tour, and when I started, I did just a walking tour. We walked about three miles. It was a three hour. Uh, tour, not unlike Gilligan's Island, but we all came back <laughs> dating myself again. Your listeners, your younger listeners, like I don't know what this guy's talking about. A three-hour tour, <laughs> and uh, it was the second year that I started saying, "Hey, let, what if we added like bar stops?" And I just told stories that were connected instead of going to every single location. And so the first year, you know, when I did this, I had you know I did like seven nights over the month of October, and I had maybe thirty-five people go total. So it wasn't a big hit the first year. I had three hundred people go the second year. So the the lesson is add beer. It makes a huge difference. Yes, for sure. <laughs> but you know, there was a night when it, it was raining, and so everybody canceled or they moved to a different date. But I got a call. There was a, a a woman. She worked at Ohio State, and she had a friend coming from Indiana, and she said, "Hey, it's, I know it's raining, but any chance you're going to still do it?" And I said, yeah, of course, rain or shine, like, I'm going to go. Like, I don't care. Let's do it. And so her friend from Indiana, who, to my knowledge, has no experience in Columbus, doesn't know anything about this city, you know, and she gets there and she tells me at the beginning of the tour, she goes, hey, just so you know, I'm, I'm sensitive. And I'd never heard anyone say that before other than, like, don't make fun of me or, you know, don't make short jokes or something like that. So I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. And she goes, no, that means, like, you know, I can, I can sometimes feel things if there are spirits and stuff like that. I can feel it. And I, you know, my first thought was like, hmm, I don't know. That's like, that's a kind of a weird thing just to come out and tell me. I was like, but there's only three of us and the other person's your friend. So maybe, you know, so I said, hey, if you experience anything, please let me know. I would love to hear the story. And she's like, okay, cool. Like most people don't believe me. I was like, I may not, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Like, so let's do it. And we did the whole tour. We walked three hours. She didn't say more than a word anywhere and we get to the char bar we go downstairs and instantly she starts pacing back and forth like she's agitated and i thought maybe like maybe she was texting or like boyfriend broke up with her or something like i don't know like something happened on the walk <laughs> oh, no. from the previous location to that one we had about like a 10 minute walk 
and she's just walking back and forth and you can tell she's upset and she keeps she's like this this isn't right this isn't good this isn't like something's something's not right something's not right and i'm i mean there's only three of us in the tour so i'm kind of letting this happen normally i would try to just like okay let's everyone come in and let's talk tell some stories this is the last stop i want to go home and i eventually i'm like hey you know come over stand by us like let me tell you about this place what i know about this place and you know tell me if that matches what you're feeling and as I start talking about the the specter and the kind of the the stories that people tell about the place, I can just see her like her eyes are widening and she's kind of looking and shaking her head and she's still like very agitated. And eventually she just stops me because that's what it is. Something is trapped here. Something doesn't want. And she's talking fast like this. It's, it, it creeps me out because the whole time she was very quiet, very meek, quiet girl. And all of a sudden, like you thought she did like a shot of cocaine or something. Like she just was like rapid fire. Go, 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 go. And the minute we walked out of that basement, back to quiet, back to reserve, like whatever. And as the, you know, the, this maybe had been like the third day I had done this tour and seeing that was like, Oh my gosh, like what just happened? So either she's pulling my leg because it does happen. People who know the stories, or know about a particular place that we're going. Charbor is very popular for their ghost stories. So we go there and people, ooh, I hear the piano, or ooh, this and that happened. So they like to, you know, I don't know, beat the punchline before I get there or add to their stories or something like that. And this particular girl, I, I don't know if it was the case. Like, she, if she did, she did a very good job selling it, but it was enough to make me uncomfortable. And that was the, the biggest, but I'd say every year, that spot, something like that happens. I have people, I had a girl like, just like fall to her her butt, her bottom, sit down. And I was like, are you okay? She's like, there's just a really heavy presence here and I can't stand up. I was like, cool, I'm going to go. So I'll I'll see you guys later. Whoa. You know, things like that happen. And the other creepy one is we, you know, we're coming downstairs and typically I do a little introduction before we go into the the building. I said, you know, the history of the building and stuff like that. But it was raining, and so we just came right inside. So I didn't say anything about the char bar. And there was a, a younger guy in young 20s. Most of my uh, tour guests are in their 30s, uh, some 40s and things like that. Uh, but, we, you know, I get some younger folks as well in their 20s and things. And so this guy, he kind of did like a double take when we walked in as if he, like, saw something. And I said, are you okay? And he kind of leaned in and he said, you know, people in my family, we can see things. And again, I have that whole, like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Is that a thing? Like, people say it's a thing, like, but I don't know. I was like, okay, cool. And so I said, did you see something? He's like, I did, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I was like, that's cool, man. That's cool. So we, you know, we do the whole tour. And at the end, when people come up, and I'm hoping they give me tips, lesson out there, if you come on the tour, tips are awesome. Uh, they, people come and shake your hand and stuff, and he came up and he said, yeah, so you were talking about the rumors that this place was a crematorium. He's like, I saw a chalky white figure in the corner. He goes, and I think that was like a burned, ashy body, like just kind of standing there watching us. You know, and if this this was maybe year three. And at that time, I still thought that the crematorium idea was possible. I think since then I'm I'm starting to lean away from it because there's just I can't I can't prove it. I can't find anything to support that other than rumor. And so at that time I was like, man, like this kid saw something even before I told him what it was. Uh, and now I, you know, now I start to wonder, like, did he see something? Was it something else? What was it? But definitely enough to kind of creep you out a little bit. So I talked a long time for that. So listeners hit two times as fast. Go back, listen again. I don't know. But 
No, those are creepy, man. Because like yeah. you're in a basement with someone who tells you they can see something or feel something, like that's freaky. <laughs> now, one thing that I thought about, you mentioned that that piano, um, and it potentially being like it's in a basement, but it used to be the the main floor of the building. Um, so there's got to be some interesting ways they raised that uh that street uh not saying that any municipality would ever do um shoddy workmanship on their building materials but moving past that um my uh my experiment that i would love to do is just go in and test for infrasound like i kind of wonder oh i get you cars traveling on the road is doing something to vibrate those keys that's outside of our spectrum of able to be able to hear. Just that weird low sound. Just that weird infrasound that you don't hear, um, but it's been it's proven to cause ear, like the feeling of eeriness, hallucinations in some mm-hmm. people, um, and it more, some people are much more susceptible than others. But just about everybody is susceptible to a certain extent on it. Wow, Lee. I'm surprised you've come in with like a real paranormal investigator thing. Like that's legit. That's good. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> William, what do you think about Lee's sound theory? You know, I it'd be interesting to see. Um, I'm thinking of the structure because yeah, the road would go. I mean, it's the opposite wall, and it's uh, the wall in the middle of the building. So I. I could definitely see that. We're gonna we're gonna have to get some uh, real paranormal investigators out there. Like, guys, if you're oh hey, we know some real paranormal investigators. Mm-hmm. We'll, we do. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We might get some uh, get a crew together. Have to come out there and do a real thing post post Rona post Rona. Um, because that would be fun. That'd be fun as heck. Yeah. Um, so. William, I think like those like creepy basement stories are the best ones, the ones to end on. But before we go, um, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so the easiest thing to do is just to jump on showmecolumbus.com. Um, my email is very easy, will at showmecolumbus.com. Uh, I at one time started some social media things, but I don't use them. So if you if you send a message on Facebook, I'll get it. I probably won't get it for some time. Uh, so email is the easiest way. And and I tell people, you know, if you're in the Columbus area or coming to the Columbus area, even though I'm not running the tours this year, uh, I'm definitely coming back as soon as it is safe to do so. And the haunted tour, you know, every once in a while, I'll put it on the calendar, even in the spring, you know. Obviously, Halloween, October, and the fall is one of the best times to do a tour like that. You know, but I also do like famous crimes. So if you like that kind of stuff, or if you just like general history, but if you are, you know, coming to town or in town right now, and you're like, hey, I would really love to do something like this. Uh, there are some other tours that are running um, that you can definitely check out. Uh, ColumbusGhostTours.com. Uh, a guy named Bucky does an excellent tour. And I'll say, like, we are a little bit different. I think his his goal is, I think he's more of a paranormal guy. Uh, so maybe he'd be a good person, better person on the show than I am. <laughs> but I'm more of the history guy. Like, I really like the history. And, you know, my, my tour was, uh, it came from learning history about these different places and going, hmm, 
I bet they have a pretty good ghost story with this place. You know, the history books wouldn't tell you that about the old Norse cemetery. So when I read that they, you know, they move bodies and this kind of thing, I said, that has to have some good stories. And then I know what to look for and start interviewing and start talking to people and finding those things out. Or just send me an email and I'm, I'm happy to share resources with people. I said, my, my, my tour business, it is a, uh, a side gig. I mean, it, it's uh, done very well for me. Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, it, it scratches my theater itch. I said I graduated, or you pointed out my bio, graduated with a degree in theater, so uh, this is a great way to kind of do that. But anyways, shoot me an email and say, hey, I'm coming to Columbus, or I'm looking for a cool place to go, or what's a route that would take me to some of these places, and I'm happy to share that with you. Uh, and like I said, I do, I've done virtual tours, I've I've done pretty much anything you can think of, so if nothing else, if you like history and you like these kind of things, I'm happy to point you in the right direction so you can learn some of it on your own. Dude, that's awesome. I love it. I love William's a hustler. He's a good guy. Beyonders, if you're heading to Columbus, uh, hit him up. <laughs> you know, go see something cool. Learn some history you didn't know about. Uh, find a spooky spot or a local legend that you didn't hear about. And who knows, maybe sit down, have a good drink. So sounds pretty fun to me. The key is add beer. That's what... Um that's what William <laughs> That's taught me today. That's the number one lesson from today. <laughs> that is any of my side hustles where that is a possibility has been the the make or break. So the knife sharpening with beer was was a no go. But the, uh... <laughs> fair, you know that's really that's a wine awesome. thing, right? Like you just do that with wine. <laughs> Art very artistic. Uh, well, William, it has been awesome having you on, and we look forward to hearing from you again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun, and I look forward to uh, hearing some more of your episodes come out. And uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial. All three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at beyondterrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Funk Master B's bachelor pad, which for now is also where these giant turkeys record this show. This show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Roop. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial.